you know, I think what I'd say to teachers really is, you know, the, the new world of online learning is still a world of learning and it's still a world of doing things and uh, it's still a world of collaborating and sharing and um, you know, celebrating and all those things that matter in a regular classroom. They matter differently online, but they're still all there. Kia ora from New Zealand and welcome to the Fernware Learning Lab hosted by Bill and Kelly. Firmware's research and insights team. In this podcast, you'll meet some of the world's leading educationalists who'll be sharing their stories of inspiration and insights for the future with some practical advice for the classroom. Um, so, how are you doing, Kelly? Yeah, I'm good, Bill. How are you doing? Well, you know, it's a roller coaster ride, and, and, and some days are great and some days are bad, and I guess it's just realizing that, that the bad bits you could do stuff about, they're not going to last forever. You can change up you can do something different and then the bad times sort of go away a bit yeah i had my first full week at home last week working and with two kids you know an 11 year old and an eight year old so that was quite busy i have to say but by the end of the week i was needing a beer um but um it's quite interesting you kind of think that you have to fill their days and every i've been reading lots and lots and lots and um, everybody's kind of given um, some really good advice on, you know, somebody who's 11, probably three hours a day, and at Jackson, my youngest age, is probably two hours a day, and then not full time of two-hour chunks. It's kind of breaking it up, and, you know, they're only concentrating for, you know, 10 minutes at a time. So it's very difficult as an adult to try and put yourself in those children's shoes and think, oh, why are they up and walking around? They should be focusing on what they've got to do. I've told them what they need to do. So there's been a little bit of re-education on my part, I think, as well. But you know what? Um, there's some really good resources out there. There really is. So I've just been mm. reading a lot and feeling a lot better at the end of the day, I have to say. It's a funny old world because my dad's in the UK. He's just been told that anyone over 70 will be indoors for a year. Oh my goodness, really? And, and, and then contrasting that, we're, we're sort of hoping to move to level three as soon as possible. We haven't really had level three, we don't quite know what it is. We kind of had two days, but it was kind of how we were going to plan for level four, not about being in level three per se, was it? We kind of went level two, level four, to be honest. So what does it mean, Bill? What do you think it means for, especially, st- let's start with education, what do you think it means? We need to specify what is a social distancing classroom? How big do inner school pods need to be, defining those pods, um, which teacher is going to specialise in online learning for those who are out of school, who are going to be managing the classrooms in school. It's it's a bit of a logistics game, I guess. Yeah, you're right, because you can't have one teacher trying to teach distance learning and in the classroom, it just won't work, will it? Flexible furniture, furniture that can change the classroom yeah. so that you can have different activities, indoor, outdoor. Mm. So that's that's fine for if weather is clement. Um, Maybe staggering lunch times and things like that, I guess. Staggering breaks, mm. um, contacts. Who have you been in contact with? And the answer at work is always going to be, my pod so a work pod will be those people who you work with and you don't um, interact with anyone else and I guess schools could do the same thing okay well it's exciting and I'm glad that we're kind of at that point I feel for other places around the world that aren't like you just said about your dad uh yeah that's right We're, we're we're pretty fortunate down in the antipodes yeah we are Okay, so um, we've got a very exciting guest this week, Bill, don't we? Yeah, we are 
absolutely thrilled to share the interview that we captured a couple of weeks back with Professor Stephen Heppel from the UK, advisor to governments um, globally. Um, he um, is well known to many of our um, customers. And in this, uh, the first of two shows, Stephen shares his thoughts and insights on the current situation educators are facing around the world. Yeah, it's a fantastic interview. And um, if you think of anyone that would find Stephen's show interesting or helpful, please be sure to share the Firmware Learning Lab podcast with them. Um, And we hope you enjoy this. Um, Most important of all, of course, Stephen, how are you and yours? Are you all well? Yeah, no, 100%. Um, little Josephine has asthma, so we're being super cautious. And um, my wife's had, you know, Carol's had a bit of pneumonia not so long ago. So we're, we really are in lockdown here. But, we're, you know, it's a, it's a big house. We're right out in the country by the coast. Um, fortunately, I bought the house next door a little while ago as well because it came up on the market, you know. So we, we've got loads of room and um, plenty of places to isolate and, and so on. So it's all... You know, we, we're in a very lucky situation. Really. We've got, got no money apart from that. <laughs> You've got the important things. <laughs> we'll get by. We'll do it. <laughs> Both your daughters are educator. You're an educator. Teaching for you is a family affair. So in addition to the big picture, you've got great practical experience. What works in a classroom? Um, but right now, that immediate feedback that we get, um, that instant reaction, it's limited. So how, how can teachers overcome those barriers and, and make those great connections? Well, I mean, you're, you're, you're right. My, uh, my middle daughter is a head teacher in a, in a primary school, a huge primary school, and uh, you know, she's wrestling with the day-to-day challenge of uh, you know, very, a very um, a mixed economy in the, in the community around her from you know, people who are um, struggling to work to people who are you know, relatively um, wealthy, that the, the National Sailing Centre is nearby. So she's got everything from Olympic athletes to, um, you know, third generation unemployed, really. And then making that all work in a distributed way. I mean, they're exceptionally good at it. They've got great staff on board. My other daughter um, runs the beach school here. She, she lives with me. My two grandchildren live with me. As you say, this is family, you know. I'm living with a, a four-year-old and a six-year-old, which is so I'm I'm busy doing the home educating and home working all at the same time, which we'll perhaps come to later. But of course, for, for Juliet, you know, having created a school on a beach, children running around um, doing real real science in amongst the water, um, you know, that's all just going to disappear for two terms, and when they come back, all those children will be too old for beach school and the the new cohort will have to be built all over again. So the starting point really, Bill, is that everybody in this is facing a unique challenge. Every school is unique, every community, every family, every child. And uh, making that all work is um, is complex. You know, it's, um, it's not rocket science, as they say. It's a damn sight harder. <laughs> you know, some of the things it's worth just remembering are what's important about face-to-face school, the sense of community, the membership, the camaraderie, the sense of audience. You know, I hold up my work and my, my, my classmates all cheer and I put work on the wall and everybody sees it. So recreating some of those is important. So let's just spend a moment talking about 
some of those things and some, some of them will come on to the practical stuff about how do you make the pedagogy work with, um, you know, not very great tools really. Um, first, first of all, um, that sense of audience is important. You know, you're not just asking children to do things. You're asking them to put them back and show them and say, you know, here's, here's, the, um, here's the amazing pipe cleaner man that I've made or whatever, you know. Yeah. And you think about where do, where do people put those things and that's, that's pretty important. Where does that sense of audience come? And um, you know, there's no constructivist model of learning that doesn't have a sense of audience. That really matters. And, of course, some of that audience comes by subdividing the children into twos and threes. You know, what's, what's the equivalent of the primary school table or the work group or the project team at secondary, you know? And I think, uh, you know, having two or three children working together and my, my six-year-old tonight, we'd all sat down for dinner and she was talking to um, one of her classmates who'd been doing some work together and uh, we couldn't get them to stop, you know. <laughs> it's like dinner was getting cold, and, you know, because <laughs> the heaters had gone all soggy, you know. So, you know, you don't need to talk to the whole class to get that sense of membership and camaraderie any more than in the classroom. You don't have to stand up and talk to everybody. So, you know, what are your subgroups? How do they work? It's important stuff for people to get their heads around. And the, the fun stuff is, is pretty important as well. A lot of schools are doing dressing up days, so you say, well, okay, uh, whatever we're doing and how we're going to do it, wear a costume, you know. Uh, I mean, why, why wouldn't you do that, you know? <laughs> um, you know, and, of course, some of the tools allow you all sorts of nice uh, little little tweaks. You know, I think I can um, just turn on a virtual background here for, you know, for me. So, look, there we go. I'm um, suddenly, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm on the boat in the water. That's um, <laughs> pretty easily, you know, it's... It's not perfect when I wave my hands around the, the background goes a bit blurry, but, but hey, it's um, yeah. it's it's fun. And uh, where you know where are you going to be when you when you've been in and talk to your classmates is always a good thing for the teachers too. So don't don't forget the fun. I think is is really really important. Um, some of the things we learnt uh, over the years, um, and remember, you know, I've been doing online virtual communities since the nineteen eighties. You know. And you think that's a long time. The Queen did her first email, 1976. So, you know, she's ahead of me. <laughs> <laughs> but some of, those, um, some of those early communities we learned very quickly that, you know, signification of membership was very important. Maybe just that we all wear a hat or a badge or a, a ribbon or something that says we're a team. That would all work um, pretty well. Mm. So, um, you know, I think what I'd say to teachers really is, you know, the, the new world of online learning is still a world of learning and it's still a world of doing things and uh, it's still a world of collaborating and sharing and um, you know, celebrating and all those things that matter in a regular classroom. They matter differently online, but they're still all there. So don't, you know, don't give up on your teaching's a craft. Don't give up on your craft. You know, hang on to those bits. Just bring them into the new world. Yeah? This is the time to cut out the noise, isn't it? This is the time to concentrate on what really matters. Um, what, what, what do we keep and what do we discard? Yeah, it's a good question, really. I, I think um, it's a case of what do we add new as much as anything. Um, and clearly what we discard is a lot of kids all in a room synchronously doing the same thing at the same time, um, which is jolly convenient when you're in a room. That doesn't really play at all well online. And I think schools that are trying to have 
a virtual lesson with a virtual timetable and the kids all sitting down and at 11.30 it's Mr Smith talking about history is pretty glum to be honest. On the other hand, so what we do here, just to come back to the, uh, I appreciate the anecdote is not data, <laughs> but um, I'll tell you what we do here because it works pretty damn well. We have, a, we have a board, we have little items and the items might be that history conversation with somebody or it might be jumping around outside in the in the garden, measuring, go out and measure things. How far can you jump? How tall are you? How much of the sunflower has grown? You know, doing some measuring. And during the day, we have to try and get, you know, eight of the ten things completed. And uh, as we complete them, we take them off one side of the board and stick them on the other. And uh, that all works pretty, pretty well because then you can... Um, you know, the, the kids can be, uh, they have more agency, they can be more in charge of their own learning. I really don't want to do this, but I'm going to do this first. Or you can say, well, yeah, before you do another running around activity, I think you just are going to have to do a little bit of maths. And why don't you do the maths while you're doing the running around? You know, so you can, you can do two things together, project based stuff. So, you know, I think the, the synchronous bit is doomed. Um, but I do think that it's nice sometimes to have touch points with class will go off to do some activity or a project. Um, they're all just getting on with it, but there's a little moment where you, little plenary moment when you pull them all back together before lunch and say, right, how did we all get on? How did that all go? And those little sort of moments of just where is everybody are, are quite good to do, but even then they don't need to be this minute. So, for example, I've become quite a fan of Flipgrid, Microsoft and everything called Flipgrid which is pretty cool tech, actually. It's kind of nice. And um, you can just put a challenge out there for the kids. I just put one up the other day for a group that just said, what's the best thing you've done this week? And uh, on Friday, they all came in and, golly gosh, the different things they did this week. But one of the kids in the conference um, said, yeah, I watched the um, watched the International Space Station go past and uh, I looked at some of, the, some of the videos of the people up there talking about gravity, you know, so... The best bit of learning you did can just be something, you know, serendipitous. But those are little touch points where everybody says the same thing and they all put them up, and mm. then you, and then you go back. So that so that really helps. So asynchronous activities. Here's some of the things you might want to be doing, and of course, getting outside where you can. I mean, clearly, if you're living in a flat in Madrid, getting outside is a bit more of a challenge at the moment. Yeah, most people have got a chance to get into a yard or a gardener onto a pavement and doing activities out there these are the things we could never do in the classroom so you know mm. kids are going to be doing this for three months six months nine months let's grab hold of the things they couldn't do before so i think rather than what do we keep what do we throw away what can we do now that we could never do before right. sometimes the outdoor environment is really really good for learning and really good for brains so give the kids some tasks my, my kids today have been uh, apart from um doing the jumping and measuring thing. They built a volcano, just a heap of a heap of earth, put, you know, um, baking powder and took vinegar in, you know, volcano went all over the place. Fantastic. Bit of food colouring. Yeah, no, exactly. Bit of food colouring, exactly right. You've been there. <laughs> and uh, they've been, they built a little um, rotting wood pile in the corner. They got very excited by the wood lice. They found mm. that, of course, these days, the, you know, just a regular camera. This is just a not very special iPhone. I mean, the zoom on the lens gives you nearly microscope quality imaging, so you can you can have a proper look at your, your mini beasts in the playground that's now your garden, and mm -hmm. you can do real science out there. You know, so 
you know, um, we, we've been doing a bit of that as well. And of course, a bit of running around and playing. My, uh, my six-year-old made a video. We have a very big slide in the house. It just spirals down, you know. She did a video of her feet going down the slide, which she then shared with her school friends, one of whom said it looked like she was going down the toilet, which I thought was really good. <laughs> that um, synchronous point is, is very interesting. So just, you know, I'm just saying to people, get your heads out of synchronicity and get them into try and do these activities during the day or even during the two days. Or I think with kids, try and do all this within the week is a big ask because they'll leave it all till Friday. Try and do this today. Here's 10 things. Try and do eight of them or whatever is a, is a pretty good pretty good model. That works all right. You know. It's also important, I think, for the children to have some order in their lives. I mean, every teacher will tell you that you need, you know, you need those protocols, you need those markers, you need the expectation of behavior and you know the expectation that there will be reading and writing and some practicing and a bit of music or whatever is mm-hmm. an important part of self-discipline you know so i mean kids don't write much on their own although parents watching that will say oh yeah you haven't seen mine you know? <laughs> but uh, you know you don't get that you don't get the problems with two that you get with 32 that's for sure <laughs> Yeah, but and that's the same for adults as too. Routine, you know, doing your your breakfast routines and dressing for work and sitting in an office, you know, where possible. Funnily enough, I had a had a meeting with a lot of people all around the world yesterday, and uh, we were all laughing that we were kind of reasonably well dressed above the waist, and we were speculating. <laughs> and uh, one of them got up and was actually wearing pajama trousers. So it was, uh, I think it's in, I think it's actually important for kids for us to model what we're asking them to do as well. Mm. You know, you come in and artificially sit in front of a very boring screen with a suit and tie on and look like look like somebody doing a job that's as boring as some somebody's job's really hard. <laughs> you know, don't expect kids to then be compelled by the thought of working in that way. And by the way, you know, parents watching this, I know one of the biggest challenges here is, you know, you, you've got your own work and you're only working from home, you've got the kids work and they're working from home. And how on earth does that work if they're having a bit of a squabble or somebody's fallen off the chair or something's gone wrong? And the answer is, you know, there is no separation. You're working from home, not from homes. So if, you know, if you're talking to somebody at work, perfectly reasonable for your kid to come up and sit on your lap and say hello. Yeah, I've had a lot of that this week. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, take your daughter to work kind of thing. doesn't need to happen once a year when, when work is where they are, you know. So, so I think that's, you know, people have got to know that they're there. You've all seen that video of the poor bloke on the BBC interview with her. Yeah. The thing that's sad about it is that he's embarrassed by it. You know, he should have just said, oh, it is my daughter. You know. mm-hmm. Which would have been lovely television, you know, well, as it is. He's a viral YouTube, so he got to be famous anyway. <laughs> that's right. It's actually really nice, isn't it? When, when, when Kelly's son comes in and, and says hello or, or when um, another colleague's dog comes and, and you know, it's it's real, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it, it, it's real, and we're modelling what we want them to do. I mean, a lot of people in schools, in, in my schools, you know, they walk around with a little badge on, and underneath the badge they stick a posting note, and it says, "What book I'm reading this week," so the kids can see that you're a reader. You know, and it, it matters that they know that you're reading. Even if you're reading, you know, motorcycle maintenance for. For beginners, or you're reading something sordid with vampires, it doesn't matter. You know, mm-hmm. they need to know that you're a reader. Kids need to know that the experience of working on a screen 
is a pleasant one. And shush, shush, I'm working. It's a disastrous message. Yeah. You know, it's, come and have a look. Come and meet these people from South Africa or whatever. There's a much nicer thing. So, you know, be personal, be relaxed, you know, be the, be the family you are. Well, so, so I think we sort of covered um, 8, 9, 10 and 11 <laughs> all in one go. One of the questions you, we give a to ask is about fresh air and exercise. And you're right, you know, we, we've covered that pretty well. But I would just say there are some times when knowing that everybody else is doing something helps, helps to get through the pain. And we have, a, we have a, a, a guy called Joe Wicks, which I recommend to all of you. Joe Wicks is, um, you know, England's PE teacher. And uh, he actually was a PE teacher. And he does a, he does a daily set of PE exercises. They're flipping hard work. Actually, yeah. And, um, my daughter does them in her. What is she? Forty-one now. She's you know very young, <laughs> and um, you know the four-year-old does them, the six-year-old does them, and they're they're trying to get to a million people doing them this week, and it's pretty exciting right. being pretty exciting being part of that million people that are watching Joe Weeks do his do his exercise. So another thing we've never got in schools normally is huge scale. So, you know, we don't have the small scale so often. We don't have the outdoors. We don't have the huge scale either. So we, when I was at school, I'm, I'm really old, you know, about 110. But when I was at school, we had a thing called singing together. When we all stood up in class and BBC radio played and we all sang Men of Harlech or some stirring nationalist anthem, you know. <laughs> wasn't long after the war, you know. <laughs> and we all did it together. And it was lovely that we all did it together. And I knew that every other kid in the country was standing up at that point singing. Well, knowing that every other kid in you know New Zealand is watching that PE teacher leading us all uh, is pretty cool actually. Mm. It's a nice thing too. So you know, the, the, I mean, I'm talking about keeping it personal and family and sport, but also keeping it colossal and global is pretty nice too because we don't get this mm. stuff. Mm. Like the teddy bears in the windows, that, that's great that all over the world people are thinking about the, the, the little ones walking past. Yeah, of course <laughs> they are. And uh, we, we, have the, um, we have these rainbows in the window. We, everybody gets centre black and white and rainbow to colour in, to colour it in, of course write their name in it and put it in the window and then any kid walking past with whatever level of separation sees the rainbow and we leave chalk out on the wall and of course they're wearing gloves anyway so they pick up the chalk and they chalk a message hello Josie this is me Fred and they draw a little rainbow too and our favourite outside is covered in these it's just beautiful you know the kids get to wave through the window as the other ones are chalking it's all pretty nice you know so these little gentle personal things all just help to make it feel like the new normal is quite nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that connection, isn't it? It's just trying to find new ways to remain connected because it's so important at the moment. You know, we um, interviewed a principal in the previous podcast and he was talking about the importance of remaining connected even when you are distance learning and, you know, you cut off from your other loved ones. Well, you, you forget that people aren't seeing their grandparents, they're not seeing their aunts, their uncles, their best friends. You know, that's hard. Yeah, my, my six-year-old took about 10 minutes to say goodbye to her bestie. You know, that, uh, you remember in your, in your teenage in love years, you, you never, you hang up, no, you hang up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We just like that with best friends. It was, it was uh, delightful, delightful to see, you know. Really, really nice. But it's also worth remembering that, um, you know, there are other connections that are possible. Mm. And 
you know, again, I put on the table the idea that, you know, you're in a new place. It's not the place where you've been normally in school. So let's do some of the new things as well. And that wraps up the first in our series of two interviews with Stephen Heppel. Professor Heppel will be back in a few weeks with some ideas of what education might look like in the future. So what will it look like the other side of it? Yeah, and I guess we're so in the thick of it at the moment, it's kind of hard to even think about that. But as he said, you know, you can't go back now, can we? So it's kind of, you know, there's some really good opportunities, I think, for us all. So, yeah. Um, Now, next week, we have child psychologist Katiana Asman all the way from Kuala Lumpur calling in, and she's going to give us some practical tips and advice around maintaining our health and mental well-being as we all climatise to working remotely and learning from a distance and isolating ourselves from our usual social routines. And do we need advice on that right now? When we look at children... You know, a lot of the time, because of how their brain is growing, they aren't really able to process stress and sort of negativity in the same way that adults can. And so the way that they often respond to that is withdrawal, which is to escape from said stress or said problem, um, or the other response that kind of manifests in a different type of behavior, which kind of brings me to the next red flag, which is um, if they're behaving rather atypically. So if they're becoming very emotionally distressed over something they wouldn't normally. And so thanks so much for listening. Um, If you have anyone that you know you think would be fantastic to feature or you'd like to feature yourself, um, make sure you get in touch with us because we'd love to hear from you. Don't forget to subscribe and download our handy takeouts from Stephen's interview and until next week take care. Ka kite anong cheerio goodbye from New Zealand.